Um, hello. hello. Hi. Oh, it's so nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Welcome to my first time. Welcome to my first time. I'm Colleen Smith. I'm Mary Jo Smith. No, no relation. relation. With us as always is Ian Phone Smith. Coming at you. Not related to me. <laughs> but related to me. Indeed. Uh, tonight we have three amazing guests. Mm-hmm. Shall I introduce them very quickly? Yes, who are they, Mary Jo? Well, we have Sheila Travis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Natasha Estrada. Hello. And we have Morgana Ignis. Did I say that correctly? That's correct, yes. Oh, I'm so excited. And our topic is porn. Yes, my first time porn. Yeah. Take porn, watch porn, made porn. I don't care. Tell me about your porn. <laughs> All right, so uh, you guys, we're going to go around the table. You guys are going to tell us a little something about yourselves. Yes, and then, so just tell us who you are, so our listeners know who, who you are, what you do, and then we're going to generate your porn star name, okay. and that'll be a, a brewerious fun for all. Yeah. All right. All right. Where's your stuff? Sheila Travis. Sheila Travis. <laughs> I am a psychotherapist in private practice, and... Um, that's it. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, your porn star, the porn star name generator has given you the name Tawny Muff Muncher. Ooh. I <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What is this technology? It asked me for her name, and that's what it came up with. Okay. Uh, it says your name, name in the real world might be Sheila Travis, but uh-huh. the industry will know you as Tawny Muff Muncher. Uh-huh. Congratulations. And the other one is like the name of the street you grew up on and your first pet. Oh, yes. You could do it that way, too. So you have that. Puffy Ovid. Oh, Tiny Muff Muncher's still on the nose. Puffy Ovid is much more mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> Egg Muncher Puffy. is on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Puffy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, That's Morgana. I'm, uh, I'm Mick Morgana Ignis. I act in a bunch of weird film and TV stuff, mostly playing non-human creatures and monsters and things like that, and horror and sci-fi. I have a very impressive kill count and have been killed just as many times. And uh, Wait, what? oh He's, yeah, that that uh, she's killed and been killed. Oh, in movies. In oh films. yeah, I die. Yeah. I die in everything. Oh. I take a lot. I get, I get a lot of people first, but I'm usually dead by the end of the project. Excellent. It's usually the way that that goes. So <laughs> I've I've died many, many, many times. This is fascinating. <laughs> and Morgana plays uh, the body of uh, Edgar on the Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. Indeed, oh. I do. Which is the uh, I think the only creature I've played that isn't trying to murder everybody in the scene. It's actually a very, very, very cuddly and endearing. So what a change of pace that was. Well, speaking of cuddly and endearing, your name in the real world might be Mick Morgana Ignis, but the industry will know you as Slick Spankalicious. Oh. Dang. I like that there's a specialty built right into the name. Uh-huh, you're Spankalicious. It's actually really easy because like when you're when you're trans and coming up with like the name that you want to go by, it's basically Basically, always a porn name, anyways. So, really? Yeah, I mean, Mor- Morgana Ignis, that's totally something that somebody would pick for like weird porn. No, that's more goth. Yeah. Well, yeah, goth porn. Goth it's all, it's like yeah, all, it's, thing. it's definitely alt queer porn would be like, you know, that you name would fly it. right into it. I love it. Wait, what about your street name? And oh, your pet, pet name. Pet the street you grew up on. Oh, geez. Like, no, like my my dog's name was Sadie. Oh God, my dog's name was Mercedes. That's already a yeah. porn name right there. Yeah. Mercedes, Mercedes Jellico. Oh, she's classy. That's so porn. You're so wealthy. She too. does yeah. classic, yeah. classy porn. It doesn't help that like my dog's name already sounds slutty for a dog. So there you go. Well, I think you're probably right. 
projecting a lot on your dog. Poor dog. <laughs> All right, Natasha. Her business is um, Hello, my name's Natasha Estrada. And uh, what am I saying? Oh, uh, I'm a burlesque performer, a singer, and a comedian. I do yeah. Culture. Yeah, and also a single mama. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, do I start with my my street name or you're going to tell well, me Well, I'll my... tell you that your okay. name in the real world yeah. might be Natasha Nostrada, but the industry will know you as Dr. Slick Booty. Oh! <laughs> oh my. She has a doctorate. Doctor yeah. Slick Booty. You know, I, um, I have put in the time and research, so <laughs> that seems accurate. You can tell us your um, first pet in the street you grew up on as well. Yeah, it would be Bubbles 43. Oh. oh, I grew up on Avenue Forty Three in Highland Park. In Highland Park, yeah, fantastic. yeah. Bubbles and Bubbles 43. was a fish I had. That's fantastic, <laughs> Bubbles Forty Three. Yeah, it almost sounds like um, like on Get Smart. Yeah, like you know, hey, Bubbles Forty Three. Yeah. <laughs> she's like oh, she's a burlesque shoe. dancer, yeah. like the great you know, yeah, Forty Three. Totally. The Forty Two previous have all been shot. Yeah, Colleen, <laughs> just so you just so you know. Oh yeah, Bubbles Avenue. Oh, that's yeah. good yeah, too. That's good too. Your um, you, your name might be Colleen Smith, but the industry will know you as Javier Banger. Oh, oh. I'm Latino, apparently. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Ian, <laughs> your name may be Ian Smith, but the industry will know you as Sweat Astronaut. Right. <laughs> astronaut like has that. two S's, so it's Astronaut. Astronaut. Yes. astronaut. <laughs> Uh-huh. And let's just see. I, I looked up mine before. I think we should all have the same last name. We all have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mine, is, mine is Lexi Lottatang. Oh. Lottatang. Mm-hmm. What is yours if you were... Two X's, by the way. Um, if you did your pet and your street name. Uh, mine would be uh, Golly Blueberry Ridge. Oh. Or Lucky Blueberry Ridge. I had two dogs, Lucky and Golly. So it could have been Lucky Blueberry Ridge. That's pretty good, too. Oh, I think Golly's good. I like Golly. Golly yeah. Blueberry Ridge. Golly. Uh, what would yours be? Ian's and I would be the same thing. Oh, right. It, there's alliteration, but it doesn't work. It's Patches Pu'uoma'o. Patches Pu'uoma'o. It works better as a, as a guy's name, I think. Yeah. Well, you think? Patches. Who am I? Oh, sounds kind of male. Yeah, but patches is kind of like yeah. you know, it's flirty. Yeah, yeah. But we're they definitely related. Ways. I'm just glad the island's getting representation. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Thank you. Um, all right, so Mary Jane, want you start us okay, off? Okay, I'm gonna start off. All right, I'm gonna say this. Um, I kind of have a weird obsession with porn. I used to. I was just saying, like, I haven't watched porn in a really long time, but um, I used to watch porn. I was fascinated with porn. Um, I was fascinated with women. I, I I was. I wanted to know, like. Did they want to do this? Are they forced into this? Do they? What kind of issues do they have? Do they have no issues at all? Is this total women's empowerment? And I, I used to love to go to strip clubs and watch these women dance and just like, I wanted to be that brave. Like I love what you do, Natasha. It's just like so empowering and, you know, and and I hope that the vast majority of people out there that are doing it on their own terms and, I know that that's not the truth for a lot of women, but um, that was I just was fascinated with it and. Um, we the story I'm going to tell is about the first porn I ever saw, uh, which then led to me the fascination I think with porn. But it's a kind of a creepy story. But I'll get there. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, then more porn, and then like we after uh, when I got a little bit older. This my story is when I was I think I was like thirteen or fourteen when I saw my first porn. 
later, like my friends and I were all a little obsessed with porn, and we used to just think it was hilarious, like to to watch Debbie does Dallas and the whole scene of like, do you mind if I smoke while you eat? And he's he's eating her out, uh-huh. uh, and she says not at all, uh, and just like how funny that is, and just I just thought it was hilarious. And then we used to read out loud. We would get stoned and read Pentel's forum letters out loud to each other and just laugh and laugh. And then we would write Pentel's forum letters and send them in. We'd be so angry that we never heard from anybody. <laughs> and we always, we, they were always absurd. It was like we would always have these... My friend Jocelyn, my best... She, who's been on the podcast, Jocelyn Heaney, who's been on the podcast, she and I would write these outrageous um, Pentel's forum letters and other friends too. But they were always taken... We just thought they were so funny that we would th- say things like, you know, she was... She was so overcome with passion that she was thrashing around like a fish out of water. She was a shark unleashed. Like, we were just absurd. Like, there was nothing sexy about anything we were doing. It was just really dumb and crazy. And then, fun fact, years later, Jocelyn got a job writing those kind of letters for Barely Legal and learned, I mean, we, of course, we had to have known this, that they're, they're all written by writers yeah. and editors and whatever, and I'm sure some people send them in and they get published, but for the most part, they're written by staff writers who are just trying to scrape by while they work on their novel, like my friend Jocelyn. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so my first, the first porn I ever saw, I, so um, this was when I was uh, probably 13. I was living in Ojai in the community, um, and, uh, so if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I lived with all of these different people under one roof and, um, and there was sort of a weird hierarchy at Jarma. The place was called, the community was called Jarma. And, um, the way that the place, the house was really amazing. It was built, um, by Anthony Quinn in the 1950s, this wow. beautiful home in the East End, by mm. far the nicest house I had ever seen much less lived in and um it was this horseshoe shaped house in the east end of Ojai which is sort of now it's very upscale and it was still upscale then but Ojai was hadn't really been discovered as like Los Angeles's quick little getaway mm-hmm. you know chic community um so we had it was like three quarters of an acre this big beautiful house that um looked out towards you could watch the sunset from the front patio and it had four bedrooms and three baths and this horseshoe shape and the like the master suite looked out on the backyard but the house was for the adults and the kids slept in the garage and um bless you um and um and i should i should tell you that they converted the garage um and well i could tell you that they converted the garage <laughs> um they sort of converted the the garage they put up some walls and stuff but it still had like cinder block exterior walls and cement floors so it was kind of like a prison but it was real life um and uh so um so there was this this there was this us and them thing at drama the the adults had the house and the kids had other places we lived in the garage we lived in teepees we lived in yurts we lived in trailers across the property there were several families living under one roof and many kids um there were probably at this point there were probably i don't know 16 or 17 kids ranging in age at that point of like probably six to 18. Um, and I was around 13 at this time. And my mom at the time had this boyfriend named Fred who lived there as well. His son also lived there. Um, and Fred, so Fred, um, I, I wish Fred 
the best. I have no idea where Fred is in this world. But um, <laughs> Fred was my mom's boyfriend for a long time. Fred's Jewish, um, short, kind of Buddha belly, um, shock red beard, bald head. Um, he taught me how to drive in his Datsun B210 wagon nice. years later. Um, and he and my mom had a very passionate um relationship I mean I guess as passionate as you can with a bald bearded man named Fred um, <laughs> when I look back when I think about Fred now like F Fred was very sexualized like I don't think I knew that then and this is not a story about molestation um, <laughs> but but uh, he, he definitely had a sexual energy about him Fred used to do this thing that was so disgusting he used to eat chicken and if my sister Jenny's listening she's going to start gagging at this part in, this, in the uh, story he used to eat chicken legs, and he would, like, put the whole chicken leg in his mouth and then, like, pull the bone out. Yeah. And then he would suck the gristle. And my mom liked this, I guess. Sorry, Mom. Um, at that point, you just wonder, it's like, what innuendo are you even getting from this chicken eating? And that was just at the table. It was just like, that wasn't, he wasn't even trying to be funny or gross or anything. Mm. He was just eating chicken, and that's mm. how he did it. Um... And, you know, Jarma was a place where there was a lot of nudity. There were very few boundaries. It was very hippy-dippy. It was very, um, there was a lot of, um, it, was, it, was a, it was a community of different kinds of healers and, and um, Reikian therapists and all sorts of um, alternative workshops were going on all the time. So there was always a lot of, um, like, nudity wasn't a big deal. I'd been around nudity my whole life. Um and even like, and sex was like, everybody knew what sex was. I grew up with like reading, where did I come from? And I understood what sex was. I understood how babies were made. I, I knew what that meant. I knew what those noises coming out of my parents' room were like, I, there was no mystery there. Um, and, uh, I was, I mean, I had definitely discovered masturbation by then as you, if you've listened, you know, I was <laughs> definitely into masturbation by 13. So uh, I think I was 13, 12, 13, I must have been 13, maybe 14. So I remember um, going into the house. Oh, okay, so the house um, had this huge living room, like this beautiful living room. And it had these giant pocket doors. And mostly the pocket doors were closed because the kids weren't allowed in the living room. That was for the adults unless you were invited in. We weren't supposed to hang out in there. We had our own space to hang out with, sort of the playroom and all of that. But this was for the adults. And um, and the TV was in there. So, like, if you wanted... And there wasn't a lot of TV allowed, but um, we did have HBO. <laughs> and uh, so I remember one... So this happened one night. I came into the house. It, the, I was sleeping in the garage, and the only way in, in or out of our bedrooms was from the driveway because it was a garage. So if you had to pee <laughs> or escape a serial killer in the middle of the night, you actually had to, like, <laughs> oh, go outside and then go inside um, to go to the bathroom. Um so I came into the house and I realized that I could hear the TV. So, and this is like middle of the night. It's probably like two o'clock in the morning. And I, so I go to see who's up and in the living room, doors are open and Fred is watching TV. He's by himself and he's sitting on a, um, this like floor pillow, but it has sort of a back, you know, like a, you know, like a metal bar that's sort of bent so you can like have something to lean on, but the, if you're right on the floor. Mm -hmm. And he's watching television, and uh, I and I'm looking at the TV, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm seeing. I know it's sort of sexual, but I don't know what it is. Kind of like, and he's and he says, uh, and I said, "What are you watching?" And he said, "I'm watching porn. Have you ever seen any porn?" 
And I said, no. And he's like, well, come on in and watch some porn. So I went in and I sat down on the floor and he was behind me. And this is not a story about molestation. Oh, so everybody just calm down. Um, but it is still gross. Um, the movie that he was watching is uh, a movie called Behind the Green Door, starring Marilyn Chambers, the fabulous Marilyn Chambers. Um, it. From the 1970s. Who, by the way, Marilyn Chambers, before she made this movie, was the Ivory Girl. Oh. And Ivory had to do like this big recall of all its products. Oh, because she was, because she was in, like, they pulled all of the stuff with her face on it off the shelves, inadvertently giving a whole bunch of publicity to this porn movie. Um, because, you know, they're the pure ivory soap. And here's Marilyn Chambers. The, the big famous scene, it's Behind the Green Door, is a movie about a, a San Francisco socialite who gets kidnapped and um, taken and held hostage by a bunch of lesbians and, um, and others, some men too. Um, and when she's, the, the, it's absurd in that um, when she's kidnapped, they blindfold her with like a Batman mask, both the eyes not cut out. So like it's a sexy mask. Like yeah. they're sexier, yeah. like she looks sexy even as she's being kidnapped. Um, and she's a very beautiful woman. Marilyn Chambers is gorgeous, um, just beautiful blonde woman. Beautiful, natural body. Just like a beautiful... Anyway, that's not the point. Um, uh, and the she gets held hostage by um, these lesbians. There's a lot of lesbian sex. And then at one point, like the big um, crazy scene in that movie that really had never been seen before. And I think this was the first full-length porn feature ever released in the United States. And um, there's a scene in which... She is put into a sex swing, which was definitely not on my radar. I didn't know what that was. And she's like, somebody's eating her out while somebody else is doing something else to her. And she's jacking off two people at the same time. And then this movie also has like a nine-minute ejaculation scene with just like sperm <laughs> flying through the air in this sort of very psychedelic way. Like it's an absurd, obscene Wizard of Oz kind of porn where you're just like, it's not just, it's not just sex. It's not just, you know, it's crazy. This whole story, like good 70s porn has like a great story. Let's talk about porn was like a classy days. cultural movement. You used to go to a mm -hmm. theater yeah. on, on Saturdays. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm sitting on the, the floor of the living room and I'm watching this. I've never seen anything like this. And I, whatever, and it was middle of the night and it's dark. And I know that there are at least 20, 30 people on the property, but nobody's awake. It's just me and Fred. And I know that he's behind me. And I think back on this now, and I think, this is so fucking creepy and disgusting. Mm. And what was he doing back there? And I don't know if he was doing anything back there. I have no memory of, like, anything. All I remember is that he was wearing shorts mm. uh, and nothing else. And... Um, and and I we watched like to the end of the movie, so I probably sat there a good I don't know thirty forty five minutes. I missed the beginning. I didn't see the kidnapping. <laughs> uh, I had to go back and look at that another time. Um, and it must have been on. I mean, maybe he had a tape. I don't know. I mean, we had a, a VCR for sure, but maybe it was on HBO. I don't know. This would have been like I don't know mid eighties. Um, so. Uh, so uh, all I remember was like, I was really, I knew somehow, I didn't think what I was doing was wrong, but I knew that if somebody came in and saw this, that they would think it was wrong. Like mm -hmm. all I'm doing is sitting there watching television, but I know that this is not supposed to be yeah. happening. Not because, I didn't feel unsafe. 
I did like Fred wasn't threatening to me. I never felt like that, like something weird was going to happen. He was not physically close to me. He was behind me. Um, and he didn't put himself behind me. That's where I sat. Like it wasn't, I didn't feel, I never felt threatened. I never felt unsafe, but I, I did know like, this isn't, this is weird and I shouldn't be sitting here doing this, but I was fascinated. I was fascinated by what I was seeing. I couldn't understand like, well, this is insane. And how much money did this girl make? And like, how does this movie get made? And where do the, where do you find these movies? I, this was way off my radar. I really, I had seen, you know, I'd seen Playboy magazines and Penthouse magazines. Like, my dad had some magazines or something, and there was this liquor store that I used to go to when I was a kid to buy candy, and they would have the paper-covered magazines on the stand, and then you always have this, like, oh, we're going to look behind the paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you would see something, and then, you know, to find a centerfold, and then you would, like, oh, what do you read? Like, I like bunnies, and yeah. I like, you know, my favorite food is blue. Like, I don't know, whatever else they would say. Um, and I just kept thinking, like, this is my mom's boyfriend, and I'm watching porn, and this is an adult thing, and I'm not an adult, and I don't, I should leave, but then I also felt like if I leave, then, like, somehow I can't handle it, and I should stay here and, like, watch the end of this movie, and sort of be, like, this is cool, like, I'm cool, man, like, this doesn't bother me kind of a thing. (laughs) And Fred was, like, an interesting guy. Like, he was super smart. And I honestly don't even know what Fred did for a living. Um, I don't know. He did teach me to drive in his Datsun B210. <laughs> and I used to steal... Um, he smoked a lot of pot, and I used to steal roaches from his um, ashtray, joint, mm-hmm. joint butts from his ashtray in his car. Um, he there, there was just something about... I, I didn't like Fred and my mom together. Like, I didn't want them as a couple. I didn't like them as a couple. And I don't really know why that is either. I, th- I think that her boyfriend prior to that, I had a great affinity for and, like, sort of saw him as my stepdad in a way. And, like, I just didn't like that they had broken up and I didn't want her to be with Fred. And so there was something about that that was sort of mixed into this. So I'm sitting here watching, like, flying sperm and, like, this woman jacking off guys and and in a swing and I had questions and I wasn't comfortable to ask Fred these questions and then the next day I wasn't comfortable asking anybody else about those questions because then they would have to say that I sat up all night watching a porn <laughs> with Fred in the adult living room which somehow was even worse that this oh, happened in wow. the adult living room and that was a room that I was not supposed to be in and like he let me in mm-hmm. to that room and that was a privilege and then I got to watch TV and that was a privilege and um so that was like my first entry into porn and then later I got I just started like seeking out I wanted to understand porn and I wanted to understand like are these women into this like are they are they just actors or this is this like something that they really enjoy doing are they you know and you hear all sorts of stories and whatever and um and then oh and so they're in the movie there's like the this end scene is like this giant orgy so flash forward to a few years and I have this boyfriend and um, I say, oh, I think we should have an orgy. Like, I think this is like, this is the time to have an orgy. Right? <laughs> um, and I was still uh, living in the garage. So it was easy to get people in and out of my room because you don't have to come in the house. Um, and uh, so my friend, I think it might have actually been Jocelyn too. Um, she had a boyfriend. I had a boyfriend. I don't even know if they were boyfriends. People we were seeing, whatever. Um, and we decided we were going to have a have an orgy in my bedroom. So we got um, 
collected like in the workshop area where they would put all like the pillows and the blankets that they would use for these workshops these like body work workshops and stuff like that we had these stacks of things in the corner like these um, Indian blankets so I got all these like Indian fabrics like I just thought we have to have rich textiles for an orgy oh, no. <laughs> and I like draped them on the walls of my room and I had candles and I had incense and I had like sitar music I'm sure like some kind of like <laughs> and how old were you? I was like 15 wow um, I was definitely 15 because I, I wasn't a virgin anymore and I was 15 when I lost my virginity. Um, as you know, if you've ever heard the first, my first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were so uncomfortable, like we couldn't have an orgy. We just ended up like two couples making out next to each other on my bed <laughs> in, in amongst all of this fabric and <laughs> all of this weird stuff. <laughs> all these rich textiles. Um, and... Uh, and then, yeah, and then I just, my obsession with porn, I don't know if it's an obsession, I just was fascinated by it. I was fascinated by, like, it, uh, HBO had a series a while back called Going Down in the Valley, which was behind the scenes of the porn industry, and I was fascinated by that, and that's where I, like, and I was, I thought Stormy Daniels was, like, this, she was hilarious, and this kick-ass woman, and now, look, now look at her, she's mm-hmm. gonna take down a president. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And I just, I don't know, I, I don't know if that's completely attached to that, but I... I just, I, like, I used to go to strip clubs to watch women dance and just think, like, did I say this? Like, mm-hmm. I just was so fascinated. Like, this is so powerful, and you're just up there, and you don't give a shit, and you're just, like, you're comfortable in your body, which was something I didn't have never felt about my own body. And so there was something about that, too, of, like, I want to feel as empowered and, and powerful in my body as all of those women that are either on the screen or on the stage, and I just... For me, it was like a, this yearning to be that free with my body, with my sexuality. Like, I was never comfortable. I was barely comfortable, like, sitting in a room with somebody. Like, I didn't know how to flirt. I didn't know how to, I mean, I'm not talking 13. Now I'm talking later. But, you know, like, <laughs> even as, like, into my 20s, we're like, I don't know how to do this. And these women are just like, they don't give a mm-hmm. shit. I remember mm-hmm. going to a strip club once in this fabulous stripper came up and she was like you have the best boobs and I was like thanks so do you and she was like can I touch him I'm like sure go for it she's like I paid for mine I was like these are real and it was just like (laughs) this great like like I just thought she was so awesome so uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this except that I just I don't know I have this great I just love that um I remember the first time I went to Amsterdam and saw those women in the windows. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, God, I just, I envy or I, I covet, I covet. Mm-hmm. I covet that, that empowered feeling that they must have to do that. And I know that that's a very broad statement. I mm-hmm. know that there are women who do things that they don't, that they wish they didn't have to do. Or maybe they're being forced into it or they have a habit they have to support. I, I know all that. And I, and I don't mean to dismiss any of that or diminish anybody's experience. I just... For me, I felt like so drawn to these women and they're powerful, like the fucking shoes, mm-hmm. Ugh, mm. those stripper shoes, those big plastic heels. I have tons of those upstairs. Um, <laughs> I'm Marie condoed, but I still hung on to a couple of pairs. Um, they spark joy. They spark joy. They spark yeah. joy. They absolutely yeah. spark joy. I have some Pradas that are just like, oh, did God. it turn you on? Like like back with uh, the guy in the in the house. Did yeah. You get, did you get wet? Did you get? Did you worry what was happening? I don't remember feeling. I don't think I knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel like you had to pee after you, you already had to pee? <laughs> I think more than anything, I was scared of getting caught. Like oh. I oh. was so scared that somebody was going to come in and I was going to get in trouble for being oh. up 
being watching TV and in the living room. That was, it was more about that even than it was about the porn. Like I was breaking all the rules of the house and, and I get to watch this thing and I never told the kids, other kids, about, like I didn't talk about it. It was just like that happened mm. and that was it. And I don't remember being turned on by it. But Which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think for, for a lot of us when like we have that first experience, the first thing that goes through our heads is, this is new. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to get in trouble for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all wrapped up with like crossing boundaries anyway of like mm-hmm. being in a room I'm mm-hmm. not supposed to be in, being up at a time when I'm not supposed to be up. It's my mother's boyfriend. So that's weird. Like there was all this weird stuff attached to it. Um, and definitely like I'm in puberty. So mm-hmm. I don't remember feeling turned on. I don't remember feeling like even thinking that people were cute or attractive. Like it wasn't about that so much as just like, what mm-hmm. are these people doing? Yeah. <laughs> and they let them, somebody film this. Like yeah. we're watching this. Mm-hmm. They made like, what is this? And I loved movies and television. Like, but I had never seen anything like this. I'd seen photographs, magazines, whatever, but this was different and it blew my mind flying sperm for seven minutes. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's my story. Natasha. Oh, Natasha. I'm here. Welcome back. I, thank you. Uh, wow. I just a side note. Yeah. I had no idea that you grew up in a community. I also born and raised in LA, but when I was 10, my mom came to my room with a suitcase and said, "Guess what? We're leaving and all you can take with you is whatever you fit in this case." Moved to Canada, lived in a hippie co- community, lived uh, in a teepee. Oh, yeah. Same thing. It was yep. like nudity, all of that stuff. Yep. Um, so. The only time we ever put clothes on is when the uh, press would send somebody out to find out, what's this community? And they'd be like, oh. everybody put some clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Look normal. <laughs> Busy. <laughs> Jesus is watching. This is a school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I was very excited about this topic, and it actually is um, a lot of firsts within this story for me, but I think I'm going to lead with the first time, this is a story about the first time I was in a porn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been a burlesque performer for, I don't know, about 100 years, or give or take a few, and (laughs) after... uh, I used to go by the name La Cholita. That was my sort of paying homage to my ethnic background and I had a girl come up to me just the most stunning beautiful vivacious woman she just had this energy about her that just immediately I was struck by came up to me after a show and said you know she was a big fan she was really excited to meet me she wanted to introduce me to her husband and I met her husband, and he said, oh, she's being modest. She's, you know, a model. She's been in these books and films, and she told me he was a director. And they were just so, it was kind of like, no, she's better. No, he's better. You know, it's like they were so supportive and really cool, and she was getting ready to do her first burlesque performance, um, you know, down the line. So we were friends on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> and about a month later, I got a message from her on MySpace saying, um, my husband and I are making a new film and we would love you to be a part of it. Um, we, basically, we would love you to just do one of your burlesque performances and we would, you know, work it in. It's a really cool story. I can tell you more about it. So I was struggling to, you know, keep my lights on and anything and I was just like, yeah, great. Awesome. Yeah. I'll do it. And she said, well, you know, there's adult. It's an adult film, but... Um, 
you don't have to be there for any of the adult scenes. If that makes you uncomfortable, you know, it's totally fine. We respect that and we'll schedule you just your part. And so I said, okay, yeah, cool. Um, and I didn't really, I mean, I think there was like maybe a part of me that was like, ooh, but there was, <laughs> you know, like a little uncomfort just because I had always grown up with this idea, uh, even though I was a burlesque performer, I was, there was still this idea that like sex was like not respectable, guys, mm -hmm. you know, like, and to make a career in that way. But I was curious. But burlesque is not the same thing. I mean, burlesque is not sex. Well, I think that there's definitely, a t it, it comes full circle. Okay. We'll get there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, you know, they give me a time and a place and, uh, she connects me with her husband. His name was Carlos Batts, and this woman's name is April Flores. Uh, to this day, one of the most incredible women. I'm completely enamored of her. Mm. Just, wow. Um, and so he explained it to me. I got this whole character breakdown. And it was a film about a, um, a group of vampire women that were children of... This kind of grand <laughs> vampire. Orange have the best stories. Of course. And my name was Dolores de Sangre. Yes. And our, basically each of the vampire women had a trait about them. And we would go out into the world, seduce men, and bring them back into the lair to have them killed by the grand vampire, I guess he was. So um, I show up, you know, with my little costume, and I... I, oh, and I, I went early. Full disclosure. <laughs> she case. told me, you don't, you know, come at this time. There will be an adult scene happening, you know, but at this time, it'll be done. So, but I got there early. Sure you did. You know, I was curious. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know. It's beautiful. And this is another thing that blew my mind. It was like this beautiful loft in downtown Los Angeles with big windows and light. Um... And just the setup was unbelievable. There was like, what are those light boxes from all around? There was, you know, full camera crew. I was escorted to the hair and makeup area. And they, again, said, there's still a scene taking place. You know, if that, but we'll just, we can have you wait over here. And, the, and I was like, oh, no, I'm so good. Cool, man. I'm cool. You know, I'm like, no. And like secretly just kind of trying to like look over the, yeah, I didn't want to be like, weird about it but also like you want to I see i don't know what's going on yeah so so anyway they they usher me into this makeup and hair table and i'm getting my makeup and hair done by one of max premier artists wow. he's like the one of the top to this day i just actually mm. worked with him on a Katy perry <clears throat> video last two years ago and we were like hey we worked on that you know? <laughs> <laughs> but for me at this time i was like holy shit can i Yes. Okay. Um, because here I am, you know, this like performer, just like with big dreams of like acting and stuff. And I'm a burlesque. And I was I was afraid of the opportunity in a sense. But it was like the best I'd ever. It was the most glamorous, you know, set I'd ever been on. I was like, I would never been treated better. So this ma uh, makeup artist, he starts doing my hair and makeup. And I look at myself and I like didn't even recognize myself. It was just like, wow, mm. you know, this whole different side of me. And they go over my character breakdown. They want to make sure I'm comfortable. Another thing that struck me that I had n never known was that 
the it was two women doing a scene together. And it was my friend April, whose husband was directing and wrote the film, who was there. And then the woman who she had a scene with, her husband was there. And afterward, they all, you know, she was cleaning up and kind of getting ready. And the husband and wife were both there talking to me. And I just thought, like, what? <laughs> like, it just, it was a, a moment for me to realize that, you know, here are these relationships in a dynamic that I had never, ever knew could exist. Yeah. Like, it seems mm-hmm. so taboo to me and that there's no way that, you know. And the husband, it was just like, no, yeah, this is what my wife does. You know, we're good. It, it was no thing. And that was really, like, a big shift for me. I yeah. thought, like, wow, people can do that. Like, this is a real thing. So that was another big first for me was shocking. So then uh, my scene comes up. And my scene is in this alleyway, which they've secured, and I have a scene with a guy who's wearing, like, this kind of, I don't know, it's bondage mask. Like, it's completely covered. He just has sort of nose holes here and little eye holes. And he's driving this, like, Chrysler LeBaire, like, this classic amazing car. <laughs> and it's that he's, like, driving down this alley, and then all of a sudden I come out, you know, and I do my, like, burlesque routine, and I, like, mom Like in the, the headlights? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was hot. I was like, okay, here's my <laughs> That's moment. awesome. Yeah. And I was, like, a little bit nervous, and so I... I go for it. And they're all so supportive. You know, the camera guy is so sweet and kind. Nobody was creepy. Nobody, which again, I was like, what? (laughs) Shouldn't you be some kind of skeezy guy? Like, I just had, it was blowing my mind and every sort of preconceived notion that I, my experience of porn growing up was that, you know, it was like, and I, I remember a guy I dated once had told me, as soon as he became 18, his mom was like, you have to work. And so he looked in like the penny saver and there was this ad that's like, Boys, eighteen and older, come to this like location for a cat acting. <laughs> and so he went, and it was like in the valley, of course. Of course. And he showed up to this house, and they were like, "Okay, you know, can you fuck? Can you that? Blah blah blah." And at the time, he was like, "Yeah, I did it because I I wanted to. Have, it was more sex than I was having, and to get paid, you know, with these beautiful." So there was that. So, um, I another thing is that <laughs> another huge thing that I left out that is really important to me was that April, and I'm so sorry that I can't remember her name, but the other actress were women that looked like me. Mm-hmm. I had never, ever seen, uh, you know, a porn, let alone a love interest in a romantic comedy or a film where a woman was not, you know, blonde and blue-eyed with kind of perfect teeth and maybe a size four and a flat stomach, just all of these things. These women were, you know, size 16. They had curves. They had all these, they had shape. And they were so, like, empowered and so confident and sexual. I mean, everything about that. I have goosebumps right now talking about them because it was such a pivotal moment for me. I didn't realize, I had never seen anybody like that. And I didn't realize that there was a space for women like me. I didn't realize that people would look at women like me and jerk off to it, you know? Like, I didn't see myself as an object because I had all this shit surrounding my body, like, my legs are too fat, you're not supposed to have this role, you're not supposed, you know, like, things aren't where they should be. And so that was a huge, I was just like, wow, you guys are, wow. You know, it was really cool, it was really cool and powerful. So my scene comes out, I'm in the... (laughs) 
in the driveway and uh, or the alleyway and I come into the headlights like you know <laughs> and there was no music too so it was kind of awkward because burlesque you're not really performing to this music and so I'm just kind of like in my head like da 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 corny and like not sexy at all but I'm just like trying to give my best face and like yeah, yeah. and so what were you wearing were you vampired out no so I they had me bring my own costumes and I used to have this costume which I sold and it was custom made it was sort of this based off of Mae West Ah. costume which was nude like a nude satin with a black lace overlay so the idea is that you kind of look naked with kind of a mermaid skirt that was big tool so I'm taking off my clothes and I'm seducing the guy in the mask and all is well and then my bra comes off and I have pasties you mean oh because I'm yeah. a burlesque performer right. I'm classy <laughs> and as I'm dancing one of the pasties falls off and my nipple is exposed. <laughs> and coming from a stage background, not a film background, in my mind, you know, as a stage performer, the show must go on, guys. It's got to go on. We got, you can't stop the show. And I just thought, like, oh, somehow they'll, like, blur it out. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Porn, was has, like, a, porn has a huge post-production. Yeah. So. It's a fix-it approach. Very effective. also heavy. I was, like, so in the I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I panicked, really. And so I just kept going, you know? And then I was like, oh, I really... And then the next thing I know, the other one comes off, and then the still photographer is in. He's like, yeah, lay on the car. And so I'm like, like, is this hot, guys? You can't see this, but... Um, <laughs> it's very hot. It's very hot. <laughs> it was very awkward, but I was trying... And the whole time, I'm so aware of the fact that my nipples are exposed. You know, and on stage, they never were. Right? No, yeah. I mean, if a if a slip happened, you just like <laughs> yeah, it's you know, cover yeah. it with your hand and you run off the stage or whatever. Because God forbid anyone see a nipple, you guys. <laughs> Reputation not, not, ruined immediately. Not a female presenting no. nipple. No. no. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm there and I'm taking these photos and stuff. At the same time. One of the photographers says, you should see, these are stunning, you're stunning. Like, And not in a creepy way, he's yeah. like, look at this. And the yeah. lighting is amazing. And I am thinking, like, mm. oh my God, I'm kind of stunning. Wow. <laughs> and again, even though I am what a lot of people, you know, would assume I'm here I'm do as a burlesque performer, on the inside, I don't necessarily feel, I still see myself as like a chubby little girl that's not, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, I still don't see myself as like a Dita Von Tees or a, it just there's a separation there like I'm doing it but I feel like people find me amusing and that's why they watch me like oh look at the fat girl doing her it's a, no but it, it's a thing it's like you know and it was a very it was kind of a constant struggle I don't want to say struggle that seems harsh in my head of like there were so many people saying, oh, I love that you, like April, I love that you have this body and you're out there doing it. You've inspired me to do it. But I kind of felt like a fraud in a lot of, at mm. a lot of times, you know? Yeah. And so at the end of the day, I the end of the shoot, uh, oh, <laughs> as soon as I'm done, there's like a guy who's like drunk and homeless in the alley. He's like, man, that was hot. <laughs> 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 and I was like, so ashamed. Aww. Like when the when the guy said that, I was like, oh my god. What have they it was like it mm. all hit me, mm. you know. So I am packing up and I'm like, thank you guys. And they were all so supportive and so lovely and everything. And 
I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That was wonderful. And I can't get to my car fast enough. And on my way to the car, I call my mom and I'm like, mommy, I think I did something bad. <laughs> and my mom's like, did you have sex in the film? Because she's like ready thing, and she's like, have and sex she's on the phone in the film. Oh, in she the knew film. that she I was doing. I had told her I'm gonna do this thing, but right. I'm not gonna have sex. I'm right, not gonna. Right, I'm right. just gonna. And my mom is already giving me like the support. She's already prepared her talk because she kind of figured I might, you know. I think accidentally, yeah, have sex. <laughs> maybe not accidentally. <laughs> I think she thought like eh, this doesn't seem too far off. So she's already going off, and I'm like, no. I um, I said, I tell her what happened, and I said, and my my pasty what? I'm like, yeah, my, my pasty fell out. My nipple sh- was showing. And then the other one came off and like both my, I, I showed my tits, mom. I showed <laughs> my tits. <laughs> and so my mom's like, well, what's the big deal? And she's like, Natasha, you wear, like the pasties are the, there's no secret. It's not a big, you know, <laughs> right. because you had these things of fabric mm-hmm. and now they see your pink nipple. I mean, anyone with an imagination, no. But there was still this idea that I was like still a sacred woman, like mm. I was still safe, you know. Like I was going to work. It's all about that, right? It's all about like what you don't see, right? Yeah, and I. But I think the bigger picture was that somehow I had jeopardized the rest of my life and mm. career by showing my nipples, right. and that there was this shame yeah. surrounding yeah. my natural body, and not, and beyond that, there was a shame in embracing my body. Mm-hmm. There was a shame in like being openly sexual and overtly, mm-hmm. you know, in this. And my mom, you know, said, well, and one of my favorite Playboys was Madonna. And play, she was like, Madonna's, if I was naked, what's the bit, you know? Uh-huh. She's like, everybody's yeah. done it. It's not a bit like that. And then I was like, well, you're right. Yeah. And then I started to realize, like, how fucked up this idea, this shame is that, you know, when I looked at the women who I had met that day and seen that day, and I thought nothing was shameful about what they were doing. They were so empowered. They were in control. They were these just, like, epic forces of sexuality and and everything. that. And I just thought, and I knew... That I had been a part of something really special, which later did turn. Mm. It, uh, I went to Comic Con for my first time as a character. So the the book was called Kiss, or the film was called Kiss Attack, and it comes <laughs> yeah inside. And it has uh, inside is a full length comic book, and I was a comic book character. So the idea of the oh, film is cool. that it's a comic book come to life, and so it's actually animated. And then you see like I would step into this. Oh, that's great. Mm. Yeah, and so I went to Comic Con, and there was a line of people that wanted my autograph, and I got paid to like be there for three days and perform. And I, I was like, this was the greatest thing I ever. Like I can't believe that I was so nervous about it. Um, and in the end, it really taught me to, like now, I mean, I was just telling you guys, I I was so worried then about how that would affect my career. And like, I just came from a set today where I shit on a plate and fed it to somebody. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Disney is going to be calling anytime soon, but... So you're saying for your senatorial run, this might yeah. come across. You will not be the new Ivory. No. <laughs> I have, yeah. I may not be the new Ivory girl. Or will she? What better soap yeah. to get rid of? That's yeah. a good yeah. point. I, I like where you're, could you be my new the public? The tagline of the Ivory girl was, it floats. And, uh, it, and it doesn't go down. Well. Uh, so I would imagine us. their whole, you know, marketing yeah. was, she does go she down. Does yeah. If you were to tell me that this shoot today was for an ivory commercial, I'd be like, yeah, commercials are edgy these days. Yeah. They, know, they know what they're <laughs> doing with this other product. And, the, 
and the greater thing was that um, they asked me to come back. They said, we have another film we're doing. And what was even cooler is that they said, you know, same thing. You don't have to. We're not asking At you. At that to. time? It was about a year later. Uh-huh. Um, they were working on a new film. And it was going to be shot on the same location as Russ Meyer's Faster Pussycat Kill. Kill. And I was like a huge Russ Meyer fan. Huge Tura Satana fan. And so... This second film we did was called Voluptuous Biker Babes. Yes. (laughs) And it was like, you know, out in the desert and we're stranded and they, both the other girls, it was three of us. I'm always the one like not getting any, which is very telling. It's actually (laughs) pretty accurate in my personal life as well. The other two girls, we, our car gets stranded in the desert and they go off to find help. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm like. I need water. And so I'm like delusional. And I, I, there's like a scene in Faster Pussy Get Kill Kill, Kill with a big water tower. And so I have like a topless. Because I was like, well, I already did it once. This is old hat for me. I'm going to bust these babies out. And to be honest, I'm glad I did it when they were perky. This is BC before child. Uh-huh. Um, and so now I have this. And uh, there was other another great actress in the film um, who... Would just had a recurring role on difficult difficult people and and again it was a very artistic thing and it was so interesting to me that porn could be seen as as this very involved art form. There was a storyline. The costumes were insane. Yeah. The props were insane. All of this stuff and um, I actually went to this is the end of the story. I did go to <laughs> a um, blowjob class recently at the Pleasure Chest. Uh-huh. Uh, because I suck at it, guys. That's why I went. I was trying to get some new No tips. pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see that coming. Uh, Another no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm with a girlfriend of mine um, who married a woman right after that class. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But She gave it one last shot. She did. She one did. One last and shot. Both, yeah. <laughs> she was the one that talked me into it. Anyway, after the class... We are walking around, and this guy is like, is this you? And it was the film. I'm on the cover of Voluptuous Biker Babes, and it was me, and the film was at pleasure in, you know, the adult section. And somebody said to me, like, what about your kid? I have a boy, you know? like, And I was like, I'm going to be the coolest mom ever. Like, it's, I think there is this thing of, like, you know, empowering children and youth to know the rights and wrongs, but also being free to talk about it and not creating this kind of, you know, shame around it. I'm like, yeah, your mom was hot. She took her clothes off around the world. How do you think you, you know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) and even now there's this idea of like still maintaining your sexuality and being a sexual being, you know, after having a child and that's like a whole complicated thing. And so Mm -hmm. I am really, really grateful to April Flores and her husband, Carlos Batts for just opening my eyes in more ways. I mean, it really changed my life because I feel like at that point, like I said, it was all of these things. It was me seeing other woman, women who looked at me being worshipped and, you know, sexual in a way that I never knew was possible. I just yeah. kind of always felt like, oh, we got to do it under the sheet with the lights off. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. kinda, you know and this, they're mm. full on, like all the roles are coming through the fish. It's like, it was all so glorious and it was amazing. And so, and beyond that, that um, nipples aren't a bad thing, guys. Mm. Let them free. Mm. Free the nips. Free the nips. Yeah. 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 Free the nips.
and you're the flaps. And you're, you're, a, you're a MILF, M I L F. Oh, right? thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Morgana. Morgana, take it away. Okay, take so away. I think, you know, living in this very uh, puritanical country mm. that we have, despite everything that we produce in this country, um, sex and violence is always very tightly connected. They always talk about it's like the dangers of sex and violence, which really gives a really bad rap to sex and almost no responsibility to violence, because we're all about violence. Violence is fucking everywhere yep. and we are so all about that like it is perfectly normal for a child to like collect figurines of people that punch each other in the face for a living oh, but yeah, so are completely banned <laughs> from anything involving in pornography so um or just sex forget it's sex. Yeah. Yeah. just sex anything like that like yeah. it's obscene for somebody to make out but they'll collect pro wrestler toys which are all about simulated you know just basic murder. Right. <laughs> uh, so I, I mentioned earlier that I do like a lot of horror films. I'm like mostly in the horror you know, film world. And I was always really into horror movies. I loved them. I used to watch sci-fi channel all the time. And my favorite films growing up were this wonderful, cheesy franchise called Puppet Master. <laughs> and I was obsessed with Puppet Master, not only because like the films were almost geared towards like children who shouldn't be watching horror movies, but the toys were amazing. Like I, I would get all the toys, I had all the action figures, like those were my G.I. Joes, were like these killer puppets that had like weapons on them and stuff like that. So I, I had a VCR, I taped <laughs> all of them on my VCR, I had like all the Puppet Masters on my, on VHS, like, the cheesiest ones are my favorite because it's about like they're good guys and they're best friends with the puppet master. It's it's you know and they <laughs> kill demons for them. It's this whole thing. So my parents knew that I watched that stuff. They knew that I loved these films and like watched them continuously on VHS off of Sci-Fi Channel and fast forwarded through the commercials and everything. <laughs> so my birthday came around one year and the thing I wanted more than anything else was the DVD set. Like, DVDs were new. I wanted the DVDs. So I didn't have to go through the commercials anymore. I would have the DVDs. It would be great. I could just watch the movies all day long. So they got it for me. They got me, like, the Puppet Master DVD set, and I was stoked. I was so stoked about watching these films. Unfortunately, the thing that I didn't know, and my parents definitely didn't know, was... The Puppet Master movies that I was watching on sci-fi were edited for content. <laughs> so while I was watching these films, and it was totally fine to watch, you know, Tunnel or Drill Through a Nazi Skull and blood and guts flying all over the place, what I didn't realize while watching Puppet Master 3 was an extra scene in which a Nazi soldier was having sex with a hooker before the puppets killed him. I only got to the very safe child appropriate part of all the puppets brutally murdering him, but I didn't see boobs. And that was the first time that I did. So all of a sudden I'm like sitting in my room with my DVD player alone. How old are and you? I'm, I'm like seven or eight, oh, okay. like really young, like, yeah. really yeah. young. So like, and, and I've, t I've met Charles Band, like the creator of it and like told him, it's just like, yeah, I was like seven or eight years old when I first watched your film. And he's like, that's terrible. Let me sign, <laughs> let me sign your DVD and just write seven years old in exclamation points all over it. Um, but I remember watching it and like, I, my, I just go cold. Like I just have this, like, there's just a cold sweat of like, I am in so much trouble, and if my parents find out that I have DVDs with naked girls on them, I'm never watching Puppet Master again. So, like, I remember frantically taking the DVD out, scratching it up, <gasps> throwing it in the garbage Aww. in the back. Like, I'm terrified of this. But, but that was like, <laughs> yeah. 
Understand that like yeah. this is I was born and yeah. raised in LA and I had already had this ingrained in my head that sex was so bad mm. that watching like murder puppets like slashing people to death and drilling through people's skulls and cutting like you know ligaments and things like that off totally fine sex i'm grounded oh, so uh so that was like the first time i remember actually seeing anything that would be like pornography anything that was like filmed sex i'm so that. sorry that you so that out. oh no it's, it's hilarious <laughs> it's hilarious thinking now because now i know the people who made the film and i'm like doing horror and stuff but it's hilarious to remember that like that was the first time so you know we, 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 we think that we're like in this very liberal bubble of Los Angeles. And I was born and raised out here. So when I first saw this, I wasn't in sex ed yet. I hadn't had sex ed in LAUSD. And when I got into that, everyone was talking about like what sex ed was gonna be. It's just like, oh, we're gonna get into sexual education. We're gonna learn about sex. It's gonna be the best class ever. Meanwhile, our teacher immediately when we start basically breaks it down to sex will kill you and everybody you love. <laughs> and here's a variety of different ways in slideshow formats. <laughs> so it was just like, you know, an hour long class of just like, and here's a slide of what this STD does to your genitals and oh, this STD. <laughs> and basically just like all of us just oh. white in class, like bare knuckling our seats, just like <laughs> we can never have sex. And, you know, just the horrors of, of being, you know, being surrounded by that and, and realizing that like, you know, sex was treated in a sort of way. But the class was basically useless anyway if you were anybody who is in any way queer or is like has a different sort of gender identity who isn't cis heteronormative. Oh, yeah. Anything beneficial you're getting from that class is thrown out the window. That's right. There's no varieties. It yeah. is man and woman having missionary position in order to make a baby. Anything Which else isn't beneficial sex, for the hetero. Oh, it's great either. for them. Yeah. Like absolutely. No, it's but limiting. Not always. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's you know there's there's that little lesson for people who that applies yeah. to. Right. But yeah. I'm I'm sitting in class. I'm like going through the stages of puberty of like questioning gender identity and if you can't tell from both using a girl voice you know girl name and my very deep voice I'm a dance girl um fabulous trans but girl. yeah <laughs> a fair of a, a very overly done up goth trans girl so uh <laughs> sitting in class I'm like well shit sex does not appear appealing at all this is so not like anything that like is appealing to me is like one to go it's it was I think it was sixth grade I think uh -huh. it was like six, a sixth, sixth grade, grade class. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's basically middle. that's basically where it started. And some countries do it much earlier than that, and I think it's great. But um, you know, watching this and realizing that like pretty much the only representations in like late '90s, early 2000s are heteronormative couples that are having yeah. sex who look a very specific way, and that was it. And you brought up a great point about the fact that you know there's variety in other places. So as I'm discovering the internet and trying to figure out what the fuck's going on in my head with my own identity and everything else, the only time that I've seen anybody who is trans or who is you know, in any way a different gender identity is daytime talk shows, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is the worst. The worst. Mm -hmm. It's awful. It's like Montel Williams yeah. or like Ricky Lake or something like that. It's it's awful. Yeah. So the it's yeah. yeah, yeah, or or a tragedy or yeah, or, tragedy. or what I call pity porn, yeah. which is right. just yeah. like it's for people who aren't like that to look at and feel great about themselves because yeah. they feel bad for these people. But what I end up coming across as I'm like going through the internet and trying to figure out what's going on with me is porn involving trans people. Oh. Mm -hmm. And 
for a lot of people who are like, oh, you shouldn't learn about, you know, you shouldn't learn about sex or pornography. That's the worst way to learn about it. That's a really negative way. This is the only place that you're able to see anybody who is like you, who identifies with you, you know, like you, who is confident in their sexuality, confident in their body, and is having great sex. And that was the amazing thing about kind of watching porn for the first time and realizing that with pornography, no matter who you are, there's so much porn being produced online. You will find porn somewhere online that features somebody who looks like you. Yeah. Like, even if it's not made for you, because it's mostly made for, like, you know, a male audience and everything, you know, everything like that. Although, you know, queer and alt porn is really popular now and they're gearing it toward more towards people you will find somebody who looks like you and you will realize that there are options. <laughs> and options are amazing because you won't learn that anywhere else. You won't learn that in, in any other you know class you're going to get in school or on mainstream media or anything else that you don't have to conform to a specific type of sex that they're saying like in the mainstream. It's like this is what normal people sex is. Yeah. And realize that there's all like an entire world of like different things that you can be doing sexually. And when I was coming up, like this is the only time that I saw like trans women who were uh like, you know, confident, they were dressing up, they were attractive, they were young, like they were, you know, they were doing pornography and they were having a great time doing it because it's like the only, the first time that they're kind of being celebrated, celebrated for what they're doing. They're serving a purpose of like, people are turned on by, you know, what we are and what we're doing and how we look. So it was a huge deal to actually come across this stuff and find like, I I discovered, you know, like trans women like Bailey J like early on, Mm -hmm. who's like a very big trans, you know, trans porn actress and people like that. And the one thing that all their porn had in common was they looked like they were having a great time doing it. (laughs) Like there was nothing on them where I was like, had like any reservations of like whether or not they were forced to do this Mm -hmm. or they were like, didn't want to do this or anything like that. They looked like they were having a great fucking time with it. So finding finding positive role models that made you actually feel confident in being like transgender or queer for me like you know the, the stuff I was early turned on by was like fashion magazines of like you know that had any lesbian tone to them of girls liking other girls because yeah. that's what I like I'm like I identified as a girl I like other girls who are like you know high femme and fashionable and stuff like that that's what I'm into so there's no way of finding that anywhere else but in pornography. That's fascinating. And it's getting better with mainstream now with, like, you know, with at least LGBT content Mm -hmm. of, like, finding lesbian couples. But there's still nothing to this day in 2019 that you would see a positive, empowering, like, trans relationship without it being sort of like a pity porn, like, oh, like the drama of the whole thing. It's still super Mm -hmm. rare. Um, The only person to do it was... Uh, Lana Wachowski in Sense8. Like, mm-hmm. it opens with um, a, a trans girl having sex with her cis female partner mm-hmm. and like, one of the first scenes in the show of just, like, a scene of them just having sex. And seeing that for the first time, I'm like, holy shit, I've never seen this 
anywhere any sort of affection or anything like that in anything other than pornography on a show before so best sex scenes ever it's so good that <laughs> entire show is amazing like it's like artful orgies that don't feel dirty <laughs> when you're watching it it's, it's absolutely my incredible. neighbor did the sound design and he's a genius Gabe it's so good it's not awesome nice throw out <laughs> way to make it about you yeah. <laughs> Gabe 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 <laughs> But, but yeah, like that, that gave me this massive respect and appreciation for what pornography can do to people who do not have an option of finding representation anywhere that else. There, is there's a, it is yeah. tops of representation of pornography. And I'm really lucky today that, you know, through, through like somehow I ended up getting connected after wanting to play Dungeons and Dragons for the longest time. I ended up getting connected with a, uh, from a friend through uh, to a group that is all a bunch of D&D nerds who are like hardcore D&D nerds who taught me the game back and forth. And the only thing that they all have in common that I don't on top of us all being like nerds or like alternative and into things is they're all queer porn actresses and they all play D&D together. And (laughs) they're all some of like the most like inspiringly like independent feminist, like intelligent people. Like, I play with, you know, my friend Charlotte Stokely, who just won, like, Girl Girl Performer of the Year at AVN. She runs, like, a massive media empire. Yeah. Like, has several people that she employs to, like, keep her, you know, her, her, her clips and her yeah. brand and everything like that together. Uh, Ella Darling, who is literally at a bench, like, inventing and soldering new VR technology and was a <laughs> porn actress for years. So she's done TED Talks on, like, VR and porn are... Our DM has like a master's degree from Yale in fine arts. That's and dungeon master. Does porn? Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Complete, yeah, different type of dungeon I was like, master. Is that a sex thing? <laughs> no, know about. It, it's I a mean, nerd thing. There's very little crossover, but I discovered that a lot of a lot of the people who I've met who do pornography now, especially like kind of you know if it's fetish porn or queer well, porn or anything like that, it's all role play, oh, yeah. and they're all nerds. Yeah, they all grew up in school. <laughs> they weren't like. You know, like the popular, you know, the popular, like pretty one who grew up and decided it's like, oh, I'm pretty, I'm doing porn. They were all awkward, like geeks in school who were into like geeky content and stuff and discovered that pornography was a way for them to find this sort of power within themselves. And every single one of them is extremely just inspiring in in power of like making their own brand and taking control of their own sexuality and their own identity and uh, through that, it have have kind of found this confidence where, you know, they, they do like, you know, the 10 years of like, this is me in high school where I was this mm-hmm. awkward nerd who didn't talk to anybody who was really self-conscious about my body. And this is me with several awards in pornography of people like seeing me celebrate myself and getting off to it. Yeah. So that was that was an amazing thing for me to discover about porn of kind of coming up with it, discovering my own identity through it, and then realizing that so many people who get involved in it today at least in pornography in like 2019 are people who were like me coming up with it and discovering their own sort of identity and personal sexual power within that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I could listen to that all night. I know. Yeah. I want to ask you a question though, because we keep, we keep revisiting this idea that, and you just said something too about today of, are they empowered? Are they okay? You know, yeah. are they safe? Women in the Women, industry, and right. I think mostly we think about women in porn, but still, there are all these men, like the yeah, Wonderland sure. murders and yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff. Of Do we, because you actually know porn stars, do they ever discuss 
that there are people in this industry who are being victimized? And is it maybe more likely to happen in straight porn or is it just, it just depends on the person, not necessarily the genre? I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you that there are definitely stories yeah. But I haven't noticed a significant more a significantly larger ratio of stories of people being abused in pornography than any other genre of okay. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actresses are in danger in all forms of film, and yep. the Me Too movement has come to pornography as well. And people have been chased out of it, and people in porn are, especially the women in porn, have band together. And if there are any abusers in pornography, like James Dean, was like one of the right. most popular male porn actors in there and a lot came out about him about being extremely abusive and extremely like inappropriate on set and being a rapist and like all these terrible things of like you know him not being okay to work with and he was very mainstream and the women in porn got together and they're like we're not okay with him being involved in this and there are companies that still want to hire him and they get together and they're like we will not work with you and you know it's it's easy to look at pornography and think that, you know, this is, uh, that these situations are specific to the genre, but I think it, it's, it's a societal problem in general. Yeah. And a lot of these issues that you'll find in pornography, you'll find in any other genre like sci-fi or horror or anything else of women, you know, with producers or other actors who are inappropriate or anything else. You're absolutely right about that. Like, there's no, and it, Brandon Fraser <laughs> has this story out right now about being groped. Yeah, like it's it's also men. It's straight men. It's it's like you Kevin Spacey. Like I mean, it's you're I right. Think it's in not porn, just porn. You you have an option for a safe word, right? And you do and you a, any other kind of film, you don't have that. And you know, in, there's a yeah. It, think, it's also important to realize that in porn, like these are. The, the sex scenes are scripted out like right. fight scene. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not just like, Ooh, we're just ah. going to keep the camera on you the entire time while you have sex and it's a single shot. Right. It's like when, you know, it, it's it's been amusing to me to talk to friends of mine when I'm doing a film or something where I'm playing like, you know, a creature or a villain or something like that in a film and I'm talking about a scene because it's not that different from what they're doing. Yeah. It's these really awkward angles that feel weird when you're doing them yeah. but look good to the camera yeah. and like you have to sell it and you have to have the you know, chemistry with your partner, but it's not like you're having good sex every day. Like some things will feel good, but it's not like you're just having sex normally. So, you know, it's if, if something goes wrong or something that, you know, something isn't supposed to happen, there's plenty of time to be like, okay, this angle isn't working. I'm not comfortable in this. This is, you know, it's, it's similar to any other production you would be on where, um, you know, you have time during it to be like, this isn't working. This isn't, you know, yeah. this I'm, I'm right. And you have limits. Like, you, this is a scene with vaginal sex, and <clears throat> we're not having anal sex in this scene. I haven't agreed to have anal sex in this scene, and that's not going to happen in this scene because those actors have made that agreement. Oh yeah, and yeah. and I've you know the the friends of mine who do it like they are. They have no problem telling a producer. It's just like, this isn't what we agreed to. This thing that you want to do today, I'm not comfortable with it, or you're going to have to pay me more to do it. And that's, you know, that's no different than if I was to get on set one day and I would have a stunt scene. Right. You know, it's it's a common thing to say that women are selling their bodies, to say it's just like, you're selling your body to do this. But how many of our jobs involve some sort of horrible physical strain we put on ourselves to have a paycheck? Like, yeah. when I was doing Christine McConnell, I'm wearing 35 pounds of weight in front of my head and yeah. sweating in a suit <laughs> and, like, doing, you know, in a, in a giant werewolf fursuit and everything like that. I'm selling my body. I'm absolutely selling yeah. my body and doing things for a paycheck and for the art. But, you know, 
you you take safety into consideration. They all take safety in, into consideration. There's nobody who takes sex more seriously and more safely than somebody who does porn because it's their livelihood. Yeah, that's one thing I remember that struck me too is um, I remember getting to the set and for the second film that they did and it was a new actress that was coming in and everybody had to have their um, tests Everybody and and they had to show the partner, the whoever they were about to do the scene with. They had to the partner had to physically acknowledge that they had been tested. The other person that they were about to have a scene with had been tested, mm-hmm. and all the bases were covered. And yeah, all of these elements are like. And it's funny that you say that because I think about some nine to five desk jobs I've had where I haven't felt that respected. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, where people didn't care about me enough. And yeah, I think that there is this element of. Um, It still just blows my mind of like that there, what you were saying about your parent, you know, when you scratched that DVD because there was a naked woman on the, you know, and all these feelings that surround like, what is this devil of a naked woman is like the word, you know. And it it wasn't even my parents doing that. Like my my parents are extremely liberal. My dad's a music industry person. Like I watched Monty Python with them. So I'd seen boobs before that, just like watching Monty Python because boobs would be like a punchline of like you know that whole thing happening but I hadn't seen sex happen that was like the difference there it was just that I had grown up in this country that had instilled it in my head that violence is totally fine like I I, you know if I can watch pro wrestling and I can watch horror movies in which people are committing violence to, to each other violence is fine but because of the way that sex is treated that was like the hard line of knowing I'm so screwed if I get caught with this. I won't be able to enjoy violence anymore if sex is involved. Yeah. So, and a bigger so you were, conversation. You were, you were colonized. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so how do you uncolonize your mind? And your way was to destroy it. Yeah. To destroy was, any, like, pathway back that they can't find you back because to. Because I felt I would have this other thing taken away if it was right. connected. That mm-hmm. somehow sex was tainting this extremely right. brutal violence. Right. Thank goodness for <laughs> Horde being this, you know, beacon of light to you, I yes. mean, to everybody, right. but that is such that, a bigger conversation. That's a huge I mean, conversation that that was how you found your identity right. yeah. as a trans human being. Right. To see yourself in, that is, that's exquisite. It's there's a sadness to it, but it's also like this. I'm so glad you found them. Yeah, I just I just don't feel it gets enough credit today. Yeah, no. But think of Lindsey Graham right now. (laughs) I try not to, especially in the the, the topic of porn. But 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 think up. Well, now that you're talking, tell us about your beacon of light. Your porn beacon, Shayla Travis. Aren't we going to have a? No, okay. Uh, The uh, well, um, let's see. Where does it begin? I, <laughs> uh, well, it starts with Xavier Hollander, who is now my Facebook friend, who wrote The Happy Hooker, which I hope yes, everybody here yes. has read, the best sex scenes ever. But uh, that when I responded to Mary Jo's, uh, like, does anybody have anything about uh, porn? It My first real experience was being customer service to Falcon Mustangs and Jocks, which was the largest gay male porn company in 1980, run by Chuck Holmes, who now is, there's the, the Gay and Lesbian Center is named after Chuck Holmes in San Francisco. And they wanted a lesbian to run the uh, customer service, so uh, she wouldn't get too involved with the people who... <laughs> 
would uh, write in about the, D- the, the, they didn't have DVDs back then. It was VHS and beta tapes. So I would watch the VHS beta tapes of this fucking, and my, and my, my porn name was Dick Armstrong. Yeah. Oh. And so, uh, you know, guy, this is like 1981, and this is like eight years after homosexuality was taken out of the DSM as a pathological, as a treatable disorder. And so people all over the country, men all over the country, would write in, uh, you know, looking to see themselves. And it was only in porn. So it was The Other Side of Aspen, which is still the sexiest film ever made. (laughs) (laughs) It is hottie, Nick Hot Hot. (laughs) And the... um, so, so you know, guys would write in, and, and this is pre-gay uh, cancer is what they called it before they called it mm-hmm. uh, AIDS. And, you know, guys would write in, and, um, and they would see themselves in these films. And they would, you know, want to know, like, you know, what is Dick Fisk, you know, you know, what's he really like? And so I would send back an autographed photo of Dick Fisk, and then I would write a letter saying, you know, Dick can't get back to you, but I can, Dick Armstrong. (laughs) And then then so it would be all over the country. And, you know, write these love letters to these guys like, you know, I, you know, it's really great here in San Francisco. We're at Ninth and Folsom. Ringgold Alley is right behind us. And, you know, guys would show up and they would like lock themselves up to the, um, uh, chain link fence right behind the place, you know, hoping that somebody would find them. <laughs> just to have sex with them. Just to have sex. To try just to have sex. Just it was sex. it was it was an amazing time because it was truly the cusp of sexual liberation, and it was the sense of um, you know sex was our way to power. <clears throat> and I was living in a separatist household, which was all women. And I ended up moving out with the male cat, Chester, who... <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy time. But also... What does separatist mean? Yeah. Uh, only women. Oh, okay. And that means only people born with a vagina could live in the house. Uh, we did have a house meeting where Daryl, uh, who was a hustler, street hustler, he we let him move in because it was decided that he was way more female than anybody in the house, <laughs> <laughs> especially Paula, who I, she's in England somewhere. I don't remember her last name, but she equated an orgasm to having a bowel movement. <laughs> she is not doing it right. No. <laughs> Whatever, but <laughs> so, but it was a, it was an interesting it was an interesting time. Uh, the uh, but you know, uh, so the, the and I was the only woman who was in the office. All the guys now are dead who who worked there, mm. and you know Chuck is dead now also. But it uh, um, it it was truly a place of liberation and a place where you know men would send in pictures of themselves. You know, it was back with Polaroid cameras, so they guys would take pictures of themselves in the mirror and then send them in to us. And most of them were hideous. <laughs> but, you know, they were just guys trying to make a contact somewhere from Idaho or Minneapolis, yeah. and nobody was, you know, out anywhere. You know, so we had a 
ball, you know, we, I had a ball, like writing <laughs> to people. And I was as go- Dick Armstrong. As yeah. Dick Armstrong. And I was going to the ensemble of Stanislavski Theater Artists sure. at the time. So it was very fancy, McFancy. But I had to find a way to pay for it. But, um, oh, we, we had so much fun, you know, the, the um, you know, uh, at, you know, the rage, the people that showed up, you know, that it was the first, they called it He, She back then, the He, She magazines. And it was, you know, pre-trans, pre-drag queen, pre-everything, you right. know. What did, you know, people didn't even know. Consciousness hadn't been, you know, um, raised up to an extent to where we knew what the hell is going on. Am I a man? Am I a woman? What does that even mean? What well, is masculine? The terminology changed so much. And even in the last few years, the terminology yeah. has yeah. changed again to kind of develop like, you know. Consciousness has changed. Yeah. When I when I was, uh, I grew up in Iowa and I went to Adams Elementary with Terry Toy, who was one of the first Warhol models. And Terry in fifth grade came to school in his mother's fur coat and dresses. And I would steal my dad's shirts and my dad's gloves in order to play tetherball. And so Terry Toy would show up on the playground and he hated my fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he would Why? Because I was butcher than him. Oh. And I hated him because he was more femme than I was. Right. And so, you know, he, he, he would have his girl posse and they would attack me. It's like, Terry, like, I won't beat your ass. <laughs> and he would scratch my face. It was, it was a crazy time. But he, you know, Terry was, uh, he went on to be a Warhol model, you know, and uh, and, that, and I knew him as a boy. He's, he, you know, he's, uh, I, I'm not sure what Terry's name is now, but he's living in Iowa. She's living in Iowa now as a uh, designer so but you know we grew up beating each other up because we didn't know we didn't have the consciousness to know why do I hate that kid so much and then you know Terry at the time was like why do I hate that girl so much she's playing tetherball so well it's because we were not um typical right and we 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 knew we were different we lived our different lives and we couldn't beat ourselves up so we beat each other up but it worked out. I mean, I was such a little dyke, you know. I loved the ladies back then. <laughs> I mean, I always know. I, I never had a problem with, like, I'm going to find a way to get that girl to touch me. And it wasn't a, a shame or a fear. It's, you know, I learned palmistry, you know, how to show girls, this is how you read my hand. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. You, Claire. Yeah. I'm telling you, it worked especially with the Swedish exchange students. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, so it was. How so long just did you work there? Four years. Oh, wow. Yeah, for a long time. And actually, I, I met up with Norman Epstein, who runs a fetish uh, porn industry. He's, believe it or not, in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Norman was a heterosexual guy. And Chuck only trusted uh, heterosexual men to be the, uh, you know, the uh, videographers at the time. Why? Because he, they wouldn't hook up. So with- they wouldn't hook up. They wouldn't fluff. They wouldn't hook up with the guys. Yeah. Were you there when AIDS showed up or mm-hmm. had you left by then? No, I was there. It was called the Gay Cancer. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, people were, uh, they thought it was a rue. They didn't think it was really true. They thought this is something that the heterosexual community is just making up as a way to get us back into the closets. Oh. They're just trying to close down the right. um, bathhouses. They're trying to cl- close down the clubs. Right. So there was a real, um, you know, backlash to it. Like, what is true? What isn't? So, um, Yeah. You're right. I mean, the consciousness is so changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm even remembering now that there was this guy at Jarma who used to wear fur coats all the time, and it was hot. Like, it was a fashion choice. It was, he was not cold. Um, <laughs> I thought you meant sexually it was hot. No, no. I mean, it would be like summer, like 110 degrees, and he's walking around in a fur coat. And I'm sure there was a, a, some gender play going on there. His for name him. was Terry Toy. It was not Terry Toy, but... I mean, Jarma had, like, a lot of interesting types going in and out of it all the time anyway. So they didn't want you to get... They didn't want you to end up getting, like, pen pal with somebody and it turning into something real. That's why they wanted a a woman and a lesbian Mm -hmm. woman. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you ever have... Any kind of correspondence? I did, and I still have a whole box downstairs <gasps> in my house, book. and it's with I know it has it, like it has all Big Mama Jama magazines. So they turned every uh, film into a magazine, but then these guys would write, uh, you, you know, like genius, lovely men who would write in, like I, you know, nobody knows I'm gay. And, you know, I'd have these conversations back and forth. And then I would call myself Gertie Stein. (laughs) (laughs) Very subtle. subtle. So, yeah. yeah, So people would talk and, you know, we would just write back and forth. And also it was illegal. You were a therapist even then. Yeah. Well, it was was my first therapy, actually. uh, And I loved it. It was so joyful. We had so much fun. It was one of my best ever jobs. And, you know, Chuck was such a jerk, you know, and he was so wealthy. He's the guy who started the gay male industry, porn industry, and he had to pay off the mob. They would send me down to L.A. with, like, suitcases full of money on these. I'm so stupid from Iowa. And also, I (laughs) needed money. I don't know. And um, But it, it was a pretty dark industry. But he had a bathroom that he didn't want any of us to use. So Lee, who was the guy who opened up the mail at the time, he would, it seemed like he always got crabs, and he would take out <laughs> He would get them and pull them off of his pubic hair and would put them on like this, like, paper, oh and then go God. shuffle them off onto the toilet seat for Chuck. <laughs> oh, no. But we had so much in fun. In Chuck's private bathroom. In yeah. Chuck's private, in the throne room. You said some things as like half things that I need some clarification. Yeah. Why was he paying off the mob? Because gay, because it was gay porn. And because hetero porn ruled the day. And I, and I believe that it's a hetero porn industry that bought up all the Falcon, Colt, Splash, all of those things. So it's a mob run industry. And they, oh yeah. And they hide money all the time, like the art world. You know, they hide, it's the mob has money there in porn and, you know, anywhere where you can hide money. Because people would send in cash because they don't want anything traced. Well, it was was wild kind of thinking about like pornography, like in the early days of, of films like Deep Throats. Yeah. Where it was a cultural thing, like you would know that, like like Nixon and like like people who were like high up in politics would go and see go Deep Throat because yeah, it was yeah. this crazy wild right. new genre. Mm-hmm. It hadn't quite become this 
lewd, dirty thing yet. It was just this new experimental art genre of pornography. and But that was all hetero pornography. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But then you also said it was illegal. So was gay porn illegal at the time? It was illegal to ship it. And so we would have to use fake uh, return addresses. Mm. So thank God my grandmother never <laughs> 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 Because you would fake, you know, addresses and things like that. So you all know. the return addresses were to your grandmother? Well, my grandmother. No, everybody there you know, had different people that we would use as the return address. I don't know how they did it, but it was it was crazy, but fun time. Oh my god, it was so much fun. What made you decide to leave? Well, <laughs> uh, well, um, I I graduated the um, acting academy. Mm-hmm. It's time to move it. on to yeah. a bigger role. Yeah, bigger yeah. role. Yeah, but it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. All those guys, and also every and I moved to Los Angeles, and everybody started to die. I mean, truly, I probably had maybe 150 friends die. Oh, sure. So that's that's not that that time was. Uh, I, I mean, the whole office is dead, but me and and Norman because Norman was a heterosexual and I'm a lesbian. So, yeah. So it was it was a. Um, um, you know, it's a time, it's a, it's just gone. But there was, it was such liberation. You know, it was the idea of what, you know, the power that we had. You know, the, there, there were the, um, you know, the um, women's music festivals, which was all sex. And there was a lot of uh, romance in it that women would fall in love and have sex. And it wasn't pathologized as an addiction or as a, uh, as a problem. So but people just had a much different attitude toward what is love, what is sex, what is, you know, what, what are we doing here, what are we creating, what kind of consciousness are we making? Mm-hmm. And they, we were really trying to make something different. And I think, unfortunately, we kind of fell back and mainstreamed and yeah. assimilated. But, you know, maybe it will change. Hopefully. Maybe porn will do it. Maybe. Yay! Yay! <laughs> whispering porn is there. Um, oh God, I'm so puritanical compared to everyone else here. But that's sort of what my story is about. Um, I have never watched porn all the way through. Never? No, and I thought, oh, I should watch a porn so that my story will be my first time porn and it'll be like live tweeting. Like I'll just have all these thoughts and feelings. <laughs> but then I realized I was thinking of porn like Film pornography. Ah. Ah. So the first thing I remember about uh, porn was my dad had old Playboys. They were probably from the the 60s or the 70s. They were still matte pages. They were so sanitary. Even really young. Uh, We watched a lot of inappropriate movies at a young age. Uh, Not inappropriate, but like you shouldn't watch this when you're five or something kind of thing. Like Porky's? We never watched Porky's, but we did a we watched a lot of USA Up all night, oh, which had a lot of nudity and inappropriate. And as Skinamax. we all have learned about the eighties, there's so much rape, horrible things. Matt LeBlanc made one of those before he got his teeth done. Did he? Oh yeah. Um, but all that stuff, you know, yeah. But Porky's is definitely like close to porn. Oh, um, Porky's is porn. 
down penetration. <laughs> but I, so I'd seen all that. So when I saw that, when I saw HR these, stuff is <laughs> yes, labyrinth is poor. Yes. I mean, yes. So uh, when I saw those Playboys, I I wasn't particularly scandalized by the Playboys, but what I was scandalized by was they were put away. Mm-hmm. They were in this uh, yellowy, mustardy briefcase. My dad like had like a hard briefcase, and it was just sort of stuck under his desk. And I remember thinking, like, why are they away? Mm-hmm. My dad has secrets. He has things he doesn't want us to know. Mm-hmm. And that upset me. Because um, it, not in the thing of like, oh, well, I'm a kid, and I shouldn't know about these things, but like, People have secrets. Mm. My dad has shame. Mm. He has private things. Mm. And that's you wrong. You assumed there was shame attached to it. Of course. I, you know, I grew up Catholic. Oh, right. <laughs> and I never think of myself as like, when people talk about growing up Catholic, I never think that's it. But it's such a strong memory I have of that feeling that that's got to be it. Uh, mm. Because my parents were actually very kind of openish about sex. Like, we had the joy of sex in the living room, yeah, in the bookshelf. Yeah. So... I and at some point those playboys got moved out to just a drawer. Remember, Ian? They were in the family roomish thing, just in a drawer. They weren't hidden, but there was a point in time where they were—they're not even hidden. They were just in a briefcase. And I would go spying to find things. Um, and I was thinking about this, and I love that we have a psychiatrist here. Is today, if I psychologist, sorry. <laughs> Uh, it today, if you, if I died, there is not a single thing in my life that if someone went through a drawer, I would be embarrassed about. There's mm. nothing secret. There's mm. nothing private. Um, I don't write emails or send texts that are information I don't want getting around. Like wow. if you ask me how I feel about somebody in an email that I don't want you to know, somebody else to find this or know about it, I'll call you and tell you. Over oh, so the it's phone. a conscious thing. You're yes. Oh. I have, and I've never, like, I don't have, you know, I've never murdered anybody or covered up anything. There's nothing other than, yet. like, yeah, yet. yet. There's nothing other than, like, I don't like her. She's a bitch. But, like, that would be in an email, but I still won't type those things out unless I actually despise the person enough that if they found it, I'd be like, fine, yeah. I don't care. If you're sure. going to materialize something, you stand by it. Right. Which is my older sister's thing. She's like, I never talk shit about anybody that I wouldn't say to their face. <laughs> Um, which I love is that it's a horrible motto. Um, but I guess it's a good no, motto. No, I don't think that's a horrible motto. But I realized just today that idea of I don't have I don't have much of an interest in anything that's particularly, I guess, shameful or that someone would be ashamed of or mm. super private. Uh, I've never wanted to own a dildo, so I don't need to have like a dildo drawer that no one can find. But I do realize <laughs> it's always in TV. Like someone has a drawer oh, no, it's in there. Real life. Yeah, yeah. Um, a place to keep it. Sure. Uh, but I, I can make some suitcase. lovely cabinetry. Yeah, really uh, you well. know. But I also have a thing about it. It's almost like a point of pride that no one would ever find anything. And what's weird, living with my sister. Jen will go like knock knock and then just open the door. I have no privacy. I even if we go to the bathroom, she'll be right. like knock knock, open the door. She'll be like ducks is in there. Ducks is our dog. No, we don't own ducks. Um, <laughs> and she'll just come ramming through while I'm on the toilet, and it'll just be like hi, good morning, you know, whatever. Um, and it's fine. I've allowed you know if if, if somebody's over, I will warn Jennifer. And even then, she'll go like in the morning. She'll be like Colleen. I'm leaving, so just so you know, ducks is in the crate or something, you know. So there's still none of that. Like I'll just leave and leave Colleen alone. 
It's, this is not a comment on Jennifer. This is the fact that I don't, I don't have secrets, and I think some of that is shame. God, I have so many secrets. Anyway, um, but I was also thinking that after that, we had sort of moving through my porn experiences, and I'm not sure the order of this, but uh, Ian's friend gave us a movie or like several movies on a tape, like a t- yeah, it was like. Eight-hour VHS. <laughs> yeah, but I had to think about like three <laughs> movies on it, and either in between each movie or the very end of it were was a scrambled porn. Yes. <laughs> so clearly his friend had copied, but it was like you know it feeding through and whatever. So you like, like what's on like 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 Cinemax and you don't pay for it, right? Like, right. And yeah. so it feeds through and it, you can't see it, but every once in a while you see a boob or something like that. So there was that. There was always like, oh no, we're at the end of the tape. The porn's gonna start, <laughs> which I don't think any of us ever tried to watch. But it was like if mom and dad came in and saw us, like we're not trying to watch a porn. It's just Ian's friend gave us this movie on this tape um and then the next thing which uh i didn't attach shame to i don't think that much was my dad had penthouse forums mm-hmm. and they were in the, the size of like a um we reader's digest. digest and he he got penthouse forums and ian what was the name of that scientific magazine that had all the stories in it it had a name like Isaac Asimov. Yeah, it was like Isaac Asimov's magazine that had a collection of sci-fi things in it. And he would just have a couple of those and a penthouse forum sitting in his bathroom by the toilet. So he didn't put that away, but he put No, the he didn't put that away. away. And he probably thought his young ch- children wouldn't read it and it's his own bathroom, so no one's going to go in there. But of course, none of us have any boundaries, so we constantly <laughs> went in there. And I found them. And I was a very good reader at a young age. Um, so I would read them. And it would sit on the bathroom, and that's what I was talking about, that feeling of having to pee. That's the first time, and I uh, got the sense of being turned on, was that pee feeling. And um, and I would read them. And I don't remember any of them except one, and the story is not super clear, but it was like a guy went hiking, and he made eyes with a woman in the public bathroom by the hiking sure, trail, sure. and then they made love on top of a mountain or something like that. And I have, well, I don't remember the plot that clearly. The visual image of it is so clear to me that I that I pictured as a child. And it's the mountaintop looks almost identical to the Sound of Music mountaintop. <laughs> which is also the interesting. Swiss Alps. Yeah, it's totally the Swiss Alps. It's totally that green mound with little yellow flowers and then a mountainscape around it and trees. Edelweiss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's covered in Edelweiss. And it's funny because it's such a strong memory but also my reference for a mountain was like the the kidsiest kid (laughs) movie that ever kidded it's just like yeah it's like the sound of music mountain where they're making strangers make love on a hill after they hike after they hike um so i remember i remember that and i remember it doesn't actually that's that fantasy doesn't show up i don't have a like a sex with a stranger fantasy but i remember being very turned on by that at a very young age. Um, and then I, the next porn I remember was my friends, uh, we went on a trip our senior year and they had a 70s porn because my friend's dad had a porn addiction and he would sit in the living room and just watch porn and he would, the kid would just like walk in past his dad's hoarding, shopping and porn collection and just like go up to his room. 
Um, but he got us the 70s porn where an alien, like this little animated green alien, it's probably like a famous porn, would show up and be like, oh, ah, and it would like, <laughs> it would do some magic, like it talked like that. Like, I don't think you even understood it. And it would do some like magic thing and then people would get turned on and have sex with each other. And everybody was like giggling and laughing and you were saying, Mary Jo. It was Joe, funny. I don't, I don't find, I can't watch The Room so something that's terrible for terrible sake, I watch about 15 minutes of it, and I'm like, ha that's horrible. And then I'm like, this is horrible. I don't want to watch this anymore. No. So to me, and I've never understood. But you love horror movies, and that's Yeah, horrible. but I like good horror movies. But those are horrible. But no, I don't mean horrible in the sense of horror. I mean, like, they're trash, and people enjoy them because they like laughing at trash. The Room, the woman, the... Right, The Room is trash. It's like the worst movie that's ever made, and people watch it because it's hilarious how bad it is. The one with the woman get trapped in there forever? No. no that's oh, that's just The Room. That's yeah. Room. Yeah. I was like, I know. That was such, I know. I'm like, very, The Room. Now no, no, no. The Room is great. Yes. The Room. Wait, is it Jodie Foster in The Room? No, no, the room no, no, is, no. you're tearing me apart, Lisa. Yeah. The panic the room. room. Yeah, panic room. Room is the one where a woman's been abducted. Yes. Right. Thankfully, Jodie Foster isn't in the room. Yeah. Because that would be a terrible career choice. Yes, it would. Now I know what you're talking the about. The room, it, the disaster artist was a movie that was made about it. Yes. There's a man from an unknown European country uh-huh. who had money and no one really knows where, probably from the mob who made a movie that is shot like a softcore porn. Uh-huh. And, and there is porn in it. Yeah, yes. there are sex scenes in it that look exactly like softcore porn shots, and they reuse it. Like, he didn't mm-hmm. reshoot it. He just uses the same sex scene for a different sex scene. But it looks, it, it, the, the porn in the room looks like if an alien had a vague idea of what sex might be like. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, but anyway, so that's why I've never understood watching porn together as a group also because... Either it's terrible and it's not doing its job, in which case turn it off, or it's good and it is doing its job, in which case who wants to be turned on in a room with a bunch of your friends? Yeah. I've never gotten that. Um, I've watched part of one gay porn. My friend put it on and the, the it was a graphic. Or I don't, actually, I don't know my grades of pornography, but it I, I saw an organ enter an organ and I was like, no, oh, thank you. Yeah. I wasn't uh, like offended by it, but I was just like, that's I don't need hurt. a close. Yeah, it was like, that's going to hurt. Yeah. And I don't need a close up. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see anybody's cavities close up. Right. You know, it's not interesting to me at all. Um, and then throughout the years, I've seen a lot of snippets of softcore porn. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about softcore porn and porn and I think like, I should probably, like, watch more of this. I should stop being, like, a prude. I should, like, you know, porn's a natural... Like, everyone at this table is talking about, like, it's a natural, healthy thing. The whole world does it. Ugh, stop being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) No pun intended. Yeah, Yeah. but then the other... (laughs) The other half of it is, then you hear about people talking about how porn is desensitizing people Mm -hmm. and making it... It's like cocaine versus, you know, sugar or whatever, like... It's such a drug and it's such an instant um, release and even the idea because you can get so many variants. Chris Rock does that in his new stand-up special about nothing in real life can compare to like whatever tiny specific fetish you have that night and then this night. And you don't have, you can, if you don't like uh, foreplay, you can fast forward straight to like whatever and you can repeat or you can. can be hardcore. Yeah. Which is not realistic for most people in the real world. Right. And he 
he couldn't get off. He could get up, but he couldn't get off because he. And when he went to like find out what was going on, that's that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was like he was desensitized to like real life sex because it was only that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like you a, sometimes just have to find a partner who's into the same filth as you. <laughs> well, and that's, and I, because so for me, that has become now the thing where I'm like, well, but then, well, then I'll be desensitized. And I already think just like personal narratives in my own brain have ruined me. Because then you just, everything, even just fantasizing makes everything so perfect and everything lines up exactly how you want to line it up. That now, like anybody, is a disappointment. And I don't think that's true because when it's real, it's so much more exciting and so much more like, and it is awesome. But sex is still awkward. Sex is still something that like someone has to figure out your body and know what to do. And you don't just fall into absolute perfect whatever. And so it takes time, at least for me, and I think for a lot of women, I don't men might be different, um, but it takes time for somebody to like figure you out. And I definitely get, um, uh, not dejected, uh, defeated a little bit. Cause I'm just like, ah, oh, nothing works. This is, <laughs> this is too much work. But it's also interesting because I actually think softcore porn is dangerous in a different way, which is like softcore porn, it's like, it's not what sex is. Sex is like weird noises and skin slapping and yeah. and weird sounds and and <laughs> I need lube and you need that and like softcore porn is just like it's so lovely and lingerie mm-hmm. and like yeah and that's so that's far more not real than porn to me. Like porn is just like people fucking. And I will say like what's just people what's fucking. been worse for me is the complete absence of, of sex and it's like. Pride and Prejudice. Like, that's the stuff that's the worst for you emotionally because, or even, like, Twilight is so damaging because it's the idea of, like, somebody will love you to the point of obsession. Love never ends. They think about you all the time. Their entire life revolves around you. And you, you're you not only, like, their choice, you're also the only special one in a sea of ordinary. Well, that's See, that, feels that definitely messes with me way more. When yeah. it gets that emotional connection, that's when it's just, like, you really enjoy it. And afterwards, you're like, oh, I don't have that right now, and I feel terrible. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, I, I enjoy, like, a lot of different, like, fetish porn and things like that, you know, as do most people who are alternative or trans or anything like that, our porn is very theatrical and high production <laughs> yeah. value with costumes and grandiose nature. Um, I just don't... But we, 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 we enjoy watching that stuff, but yeah. a lot of the stuff we get into, especially when it gets into like the really heavy sort of like, you know, fantasy sort of fetish stuff, yeah. we're not going to do that in real life. Right? Yes. We're not interested in doing that outside of it. It's just like, that's for us to sort of talk about and sort of get turned on by, but... We're not expecting to like go into a sexual relationship and have this like insane scene. Yeah, that but we're some be young, out. like you know, fifteen, sixteen-year-old boys who now are exploring yeah. on the internet, they do think that's yeah. what's going to yeah. happen, and they do think women or girls are going to respond that way, sound mm-hmm. that way, look that and way, like bend fi- that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, go ahead. No. I was just going to wrap up, and then we Sorry. can talk about yes. all we were going to talk yes. about. What I was, sort of my point bringing up all the romance, whatever, is that, like, I I think everything can be damaging and everything can be great depending on where you take it. Um, 
but I've just never been a porn person, probably for a lot of reasons. Probably a lot of it has to do with shame. Um, but So I've never seen one full out. I, I think I'm going to go for a classic, like Debbie Does Dallas, just so I can be a person who's seen one. Go for Behind the Green Door. Blame or Behind out. the Green Door, now that you've described yeah, it. Uh, it's insane. <laughs> um, but I do... Uh, I don't know. I just I think it's actually been it, it wasn't the world's most interesting story, but it's very interesting because it it's very so interesting. different yeah. mm-hmm. than everybody else's. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. Yay! Yay! All right, now everyone's thoughts. Well, I was just gonna say, like, I now remember the first. I think the first porn. Um, now that you're talking about when you said it's not necessarily a movie, the first the first literature. I'm going to say it's literature that ever turned me on that was sexual was Anais Nin. Mm. So reading all those mm-hmm. diaries, and I was like, oh, this is wild. And this, because it felt so personal. Because, yeah. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, reading it, and it's just me. And, and when you're reading, and I'm a very visual reader, like, it's, I love what books do in my mind to see things. And I just thought that was so exquisite. And this mm-hmm. is beautiful. This is poetry. And there was no mm-hmm. shame on those pages. There was no judgment on those pages I mean there was angst on those pages and there was heartbreak on those pages passion and all that stuff but there was no shame yeah. but acceptable desire you know there's yeah. real estate porn there's Amazon shopping late at night yes. it's all about <laughs> desire and all that desire is acceptable but the desire to want to go have sex with Barbara Streisand by just knocking on her door somebody may have when she was in sixth grade <laughs> up until she was 35 <laughs> and then <laughs> continued on for him and then she was in the oscars I think on that beautiful note we should do our shameless plug oh yes shameless plug <laughs> so can we find you on social media no uh <laughs> i i'm not anywhere but i do group therapy in Pasadena. So I'm, I'm going to start a new group therapy if anyone's interested in Pasadena. What's the uh, uh It is about how to know who you are and as, as a way of uh, within a group. So when you're with an analyst, you usually project things upon the analyst, and it's usually a dyad. So if you have a group, you can project mom, dad, sister, brother, cousin, oh, priest, wow. and then wonder who, who you are in, in regards to what you're projecting onto the other person. So I think that's how we find out who we are, by how we relate to others. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Well done. Well, wait, how would somebody join, sign up for this group? It, my name. Sheila, Sheila Travis. Yeah. Just Google. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can find me on Instagram at Mick Ignis. You can find me on Twitter at Twotes. And you can currently see me on, the, uh, on Hulu on the third season of Stand Against Evil. I play... A whole slew of demons on seasons <laughs> one through three. I'm like nine different characters on that show, That's great. taunting everybody. So you'll see a lot of different various faces I wear uh, on that show, as well as the uh, as well as the curious creations of Christine McConnell on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, and I'm producing a radio play series right now called The Great Wizarding War, which is a sequel to Severus Snape and the Marauders, which is a film that I play a young Severus Snape in. Awesome. So that's also rolling right now. <laughs> Excellent. Natasha. Uh, the best, I'm Instagram. It's Natasha at Natasha underscore Estrada, because somebody had my name, so sure I had to get creative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I post all of the shows and stuff. I have like a residency in downtown LA at Exchange LA doing burlesque and have various sort of comedy and music and stuff all around town. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mary Jo? 
Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Mary Jo LA and on Instagram at Mary Jo underscore LA and on Facebook at Mary Jo Smith. Sweet. Where can we find you? Chick. Oh, Chick. Uh, you can find at T-Chick Photo everywhere, Insta- mostly Instagram, but Instagram and Twitter. And then uh, T-Chick McClure on Facebook. And Chick is the person who does all of our lovely photos yes. for uh, this sh- podcast. I was going to say the show, but I guess it's a yeah. show. Ian is at Ian Screams on all things. Yeah. Right? Uh, Ian does the music uh, for the show. Everything is original, composed by Ian. Uh, anything else you want to promote, Ian? Okay. Uh, and then I am Colleen Smee, C-O-L-L-E-E-N-S-M-I on uh, Twitter and Colleen Marie Smee on Instagram. I don't think I have anything coming up. Uh, also, guys, we're on Facebook. You can see pictures and fun things. And please... On iTunes. On iTunes. Please like us and rate us and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And uh, if you guys have your first porn story, please send it to us. We'd love to have it, and we yeah, can read them out. Yeah, Facebook page. And also, if you have a theme you'd like to hear, a first-time theme that you'd like to suggest, we're open to suggestions. Yeah. We're running out of themes. Message us. We have a million. <laughs> All right. Thank you.